You cannot force yourself to meditate. You can sit yourself in the right place. You can do all the right things, but sometimes meditativeness will not blossom within you. And so what you're ultimately doing is trying to create a space in which meditativeness will come. It can be as simple as drinking a cup of tea or having a smoke. It can be going to the store. Whatever you're doing, if you do it at the absolute intensity, involved in the moment, which you can't be anywhere else, but actually being intensely involved in the moment, you have meditativeness. It's not about what you do. It's about how you do it. Anyway... That is the invocation to... No, I'm, I'm going to do it. But here's the thing about OM to me, and about actually everything, just like what you're saying is sometimes it doesn't take you there, or sometimes you don't achieve what you want to get out of meditation, or you're even just your own, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, if somebody was like, I don't know if there's anybody who goes and critiques the quality of somebody's own, mm-hmm. but it's <laughs> me. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that the the it seems to me the point of it is you're gonna do it until you achieve. It's like a method to achieve the space that you're talking about. You're correct. So somebody might be like, "Yeah, that's that's a pretty shitty own." And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm going to keep doing it for five minutes because I'm trying to get that vibration that I know is healthy and I know that connects me, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and you have practiced it so much that like the mechanics of it are quicker for you. Mm-hmm. So let's you got it. try again. No, that's why I, I love this whole thing is because there's methods to attempting it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I say like to myself a lot that like it doesn't seem when I'm starting this like a little uh, asana or yoga ritual, it doesn't seem like I'm connected to anything at first, but I know I need to start. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, sure enough, I feel happier. I feel like. I did something for me, you know. Um, it makes you real, like you said, connected to your to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Which is to everything. Yeah, it's the only thing. Each one. All right, so give me the I'll go the the um again. Okay, so you've got three parts to it. Mm-hmm. When you're doing um, which is what people call it, and I like I don't mean to be like like you know dismissive about it, but like I know the mechanics of the sound, so yeah. like that's how I was trained. Yeah. So I only know what I know. So you do uh, 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 there you go, open mouth, uh, then you go, ooh, ooh, and you feel it in different parts of the body, yeah, so like, uh, it's going to resonate lower chest, solar plexus area, ooh, is going to be in the throat. Ooh, yeah, it's a different ooh when I like kind of focus on vibrating right there. Ooh, and then mm, it'll be at the top of your nose. Mm, and your lips do they do kind of vibrate coming together. Yeah. Mm, 
And so you really do feel it right between your eyes almost. Yeah. And so when you go from these movements, you'll feel it moving up. So you go. Um, like travels up your body. It's moving your energies. From um, that gives it a. You taught me something right there, man. It gives it gives the very sound a, a beginning, a middle, and an end that you can focus on. Mm -hmm. Much like like sometimes postures are so difficult for people because they're like, yeah, I get how I'm supposed to, but that's really hard to overcome. Like the, the pain of the strain or whatever. Uh, that is like. Dude, you can focus on that sound. Yeah. People have been doing it for centuries. Those beggars you see on the side of the roads in India, they just, that's what they do. Yeah? The sadhus. Oh, yeah. Centuries. Millennia. It's a long freaking time. <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> Oldest religion in the world today. Um, I'm going to get it, man. You got it, man. No, Thank you. you. you I'm gonna, no, that's something I, I do a lot, but um, I, it, it's never been unlocked in exactly that way of following that vibration from the lower part of yourself. And I think you can even take it all the way from the Muladhara now, like just all the way up through yourself, and then you're ending right here with that vibration. I don't know the sounds. So if you can figure it out, let me know. <laughs> They've got like little cards that I'll tell you, but I don't remember. For what sounds? Like there's, so there's root sounds to every chakra. Mm -hmm. I don't know them. Um, oh yeah, 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 even a frequency. Yeah, so like the only ones I know is solar plexus. All right, so like, let's go through them and their Sanskrit names because I know this. Is Muladhara, Swadishana, Manipura, Anahata, Vishuddhi, Ajna, and Sahasra. There's many more chakras throughout the body, but those are where all the nadis connect. And so we say the seven chakras, but there's many more than that. You can work on the smaller ones, but there's really no point because if you unlock the seven, it doesn't really matter because they are the focal points. Um, the, the wheels of subtle energy that create your... Yeah, and they always meet spirit. in the form of a triangle, which is why when you see the chakras represented, there'll be triangle on top of triangle, or there'll be like seven triangles inside of each other, but they always meet in the form of a triangle, but they're not like physical mm. things. They're like mm -hmm. energy pathways, but they always come in the form of a triangle, which is the form of both the masculine and feminine energies, which you have the Ida and Pingala, which are the masculine and feminine nadis, which is what like... There's a lot of ways I know a lot the about. The Kundalini is the rising of that energy. Yeah. In, in like the most awakening way, right? Yeah, That's exactly. Like the goal of almost like a lot of forms of chakras. What I've read is that that Kundalini, like exactly like you just do with your hands, that little um, like snaking around of. Um, like the snake with the like the two snakes in the scepter, mm -hmm. or the tree of life, or the seven chakras. It all like plays into each other. Everything is truth. If you look at it, it's the most basic, fundamental level. You okay. can look at Kabbalah, you can look at like Sufism, you can look at anything that you're doing. They appreciate the same tenets, pretty much. All, all right. life is sacred. It's all the same. It's all a part of you. These are processes by which you can work. These are the virtues by which life exists, and these are the things you should avoid. 
Not mm-hmm. because it's compulsory, but because it's better for you not to. So, like, if you look at, like, because, I mean, you know, I've studied a lot of different faiths. Like, Hinduism is my home. Yoga is my home because I know it and I'm comfortable with it. But, mm-hmm. like, I've studied Buddhism, Christian, Christian, Christian Christianity, um, like, traditional, like, you know, even a little bit of Shinto. And I'm trying to work on Islam right now. But... The basic fundamental qualities of these things is just taking care of people and honoring the divine in the form of that it's presented to you, which is the world we live in. Because how do we know that heaven's not right here and we're dismissing it? You know, so like the basic fundamental qualities of these things is learning to appreciate what you're given instead of trying always to strive for the next thing, but never giving up either. It's just that if you lose yourself in what you're trying to do, you're going to miss the whole thing, which is right here all the time because truth is never denied to you. It's always right there. It's truth. I think it's time for another one of those things that you said, whenever I mention a certain thing, I may have to like interject with a... Yeah, um, I run off. With a what? You said I'm, every now and then I might mention something and I'll have to do a... What did you call it? I don't remember. I thought it was like a, a chant. Oh, an invocation. An invocation? Yeah, like or a, like a chant, but whenever like... To reestablish the energy that you... To settle or something? To, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, let's do... if you need to, feel free. But then, and then I'll introduce who you are. Okay, let's go ahead and do a different one because this is more a compassionate one that I'm very fond of. Karpura Gauram Karunavataram Samsaharasaram Pujagindraharam Sadavasantram Hridayaruvinde Bhavam Bhavani Sahitam Namami Nice. <clears throat> That's awesome. All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I have quite a lot of listeners. There, it's not live, though, Phil, so you're li- thank you for listening right now. We're in a different now. Um, my uh, co-host today is Hunter. What's your last name, Hunter? Ellis, like Ellis. the island. Yeah, Ellis, like the island. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, El, uh, Hunter Ellis was nice enough to, uh, man, just have a conversation with me every time I see him in the neighborhood and, um, you know, in passing and stuff like that. And, of course, in little bits of conversation, it doesn't take long to sometimes, that's why you need to keep your uh, eyes open and your mouth going, is sometimes you figure out that somebody's done something that really interests you. And uh, Hunter is going to talk to me first about, like, who you are and where you're from but then we're going to get into some some cool stuff that uh is uh it has to do with like you're just talking about the the spirit of uh, the self and meditation and mindfulness and some of the different faith that keeps you connected so you were born on september 8th Am I wrong? You're wrong as shit. <laughs> I'm sorry if I can't curse on here, but you, you, can, know, you can, you can, you can edit it out. Yeah. Um, I was born on June 30th. Night. Oh, hi. My name is Hunter. I was born in Virginia. Uh, 
specifically Richmond, Virginia, on June 30th, 1995. My, I am a Leo, or I'm a Cancer Sun, a Leo Moon, and a Scorpio Rising. <laughs> All right. Did you happen to see the stars tonight? They're beautiful. When it's clear, like the wind is chilly like that. And we're in a city, and yet we still have beautiful stars. That so you have to come to my parents' house in Powhatan because yeah. they have stars for days. Stars the likes of which you only see in countries that have no lights. Yeah. But it's Powhatan, so it's basically the same thing. Okay. Uh, so last two Wednesdays ago, I was out far out in Mechanicsville, and I just I got out I got out of my van. And I, I was like, oh. it was almost like you could see. I want to go to one of those places where you can see. Uh, like, don't people photograph wings of the Milky Way? Yes. Like, like we're in the Milky Way, but somehow you can see it on a on the, when the night is right. You can actually see like the arms of the rest of the freaking galaxy. Yeah, my parents' house. In, oh yeah, yeah, rural Virginia, man. <laughs> it's rural a place. Virginia. All right. Go to the mountains. You can see it. Yeah. Powhatan. Anywhere where there's a lot of farming people, generally you're fine. Yeah. All right. So what? Yeah. So what do, do your folks do? You come from a upper class. I did. Oh, oh yeah? I did. Oh, uh, no. Did then, like, so, uh, yeah, I was born into an upper middle class white family. Um, and then, so, like, you know, I did my childhood. Here. Beautiful country, 10 acres of land. It was freaking gorgeous. It was a brick house. It was yeah. haunted. What, what, did mom and dad both work, or did they? Well, my dad and my mom are divorced. Um, okay. So, they both worked, but, like, that wasn't my problem. Um, my stepdad and my mom both worked. And my... What, what, for in what line of work? Were they traveling or... Mm-mm. Oh, no, my parents are Southern Baptists. Um, my mom has been working as a controller, which is basically someone who runs a small company okay. that does their HR, their payroll, everything that actually goes into running a business without actually being the person who owns it. Okay. It's like a manager, but like <laughs> all the jobs. Interesting. All right. My stepdad was an electrician, but he wasn't an electrician, really. He's like... Oh, so he worked with his hands and, like, built stuff and... Yeah, mostly yeah. administrative on that side, but, like, he did know how to work in that front, but he'd gone so far in his field that it wasn't necessary anymore. Um, so we lived in Montpelier, which is near Mechanicsville on the other side of Hanover County. Ah. In the rural part. Okay. Um, near Patrick, Hen- Patrick Henry's Mont- house. Montpelier? Is that where... Patrick Henry's house was. Okay. Yeah. And what's the name of uh, Thomas Jefferson's house? Monticello. Monticello. Not Montpelier, but Monticello. Yeah. Okay. They took a lot after each other's names. Mount everything. Mount Even everything. though they, none of them lived in the mountains. Welcome so. to Mount Vernon. <laughs> that's the only one that's on kind of a mountain. Okay. It's really a rolling hill, but you know, whatever. Man, you gotta, I, I, I want to get a house that I, I name something and, and tell, don't people come over to my place. Once you, we're going to have a party. It's going to be at Monticello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have that iconic name that just yeah. will sing through the history. Hey, I know, I know folks that do have houses that have names like that. And it always has this air of like this, uh, this, uh, Almost like Southern royalty. You, you know? never seen Saguaro Hill? Saguaro Hill? Yeah, it's, a, it's we call it Saguaro Hill, but I know it's pronounced Saguaro. Um, it's in Henrico, actually, near the Hindu Center of Virginia, which I highly recommend everyone go to at some point. Um, but next to this is this weird, like, South United States little house with, like, the plaster walls, the cool little red tiles on the Saguaro? top. Saguaro? Yeah. He's got nothing but cactuses, and he's got, like, a river running through his house. You can't go there because it's a private residence, 
but he's basically made. But it looks like a museum. Or? It looks like a little house from New Mexico has just dropped from the sky and landed oh, in Virginia okay. with all the topography to match too. Though he's got like sand and all this crazy stuff. Man, who is this guy? That's interesting. I don't know. He yeah. apparently he opens his house to the public once a year, but I've never been. All right. But if you like cactuses, it's the place to be because he somehow managed to transplant all these strange species to Virginia, mm -hmm. which is if anyone so knows anything about so geography. living. Yeah, where it's nothing here. Yeah. It's Virginia. <laughs> um, Man. Yeah. What a town. So Virginia is home. Did you, uh, you lived with, Ma, with mom and stepdad yeah. and uh, out in Powhatan. No, we lived in Montpelier. They live oh, in Powhatan home, now. Montpelier. All right. I have lived in Powhatan before, though. So, uh, and then you go to high school around here. Were you like the only child? No, I have an older sister. Well, no, that's complicated. I have a very complicated family history. Everybody so does, man. That's and I'm trying to get like no matter what you say, somebody's gonna relate to it. Um. All right. So I have, I had because my mom's gotten remarried since then, and my dad's gotten divorced since then. I had a stepsister on my dad's side. Her name is Lauren Lulu. If you can hear me, she's great. Um, Lulu. Her name's Lauren, but we call her Lulu. Um, and then on my mom's side, I had two stepbrothers. So we had a family of six. Um, Jeremy and Cody, and then I have my half-sister, Christina, who my yeah. mom had in a previous marriage with yeah. her father. She's eight years older than me, but born the day after me, actually. So How, how much older? She's eight. She's technically seven years older than me, oh, but the day yeah. after that, she's okay. eight years older than okay, me, so yeah. I say eight. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So we lived in Montpelier. Well, we... They got married when we so lived. So you got a lot of halves, and who's like whose dad is who, and who's whose stepmom? No, no, that's my stepmom. It's her actual mom. It's her, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I have these brothers and sisters, but like I don't actually know them anymore. Because, okay. Like we don't. You know what? That can happen. You know, and even if you had like family uh, traditions and relationships earlier on in life, those are, those can occupy like a, a cool part of then, mm -hmm. even if. You know, that's not what everybody where everybody connects now. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, we're still cool. Like, if you asked me for gas money, I'd give it to him. But like, <laughs> beyond that, we just don't relate anymore. Yeah, yeah. So that's... my mom got sick. Um, so she has epilepsy, um, all kinds of shit. Um, but so she got sick and lost her job, and so they got a divorce because like the finances just weren't working out the right way. So we moved to Powhatan, which is the first time we lived in Powhatan. We moved to my grandmother, and that house was haunted. It's awful. Um, but oh then, yeah! Oh yeah! The creeps or what? I had things grab me, things flying across the room, things scratching the walls, TVs coming on and off, lights flickering, seeing shadows and mirrors. Not see, a house. That's a house you got open to the public. Yeah. See, that's yeah. A house needs a website. Well, it doesn't do it anymore. That's the crazy <laughs> thing. So now I think I'm crazy, but my cousin <laughs> had the same experiences, so I know it's real. Hmm. But suffice to say, does it make sense to you if I say like I? fully on believe in like the high the something much bigger that we're connected to and something that it like I, I can be very I can be spiritual but somehow I come up with logical rational explanations for haunted houses and stuff like that. like I don't believe in, in them well shouldn't you like how could I I you, you would think I would since I'm like mystically open-minded but I just my brain won't believe it well let me ask you a question have you experienced it? For no. sure. For without a shadow of doubt, you know that that was something paranormal. No, I've never experienced that. Well, then how do you need to, why do you need to believe in something? Because mm -hmm. what do you believe? Like, what is a belief by its own definition? Um, man, I wish I were a 
ready for that question. What is a belief? Oh, it's something that you you act upon innately, I guess. Like whether or not you can explain it. Um, let's see, a belief is not what you say; it's what you behave upon. Okay, I can see that. I think I've heard that. So like that, and that's what I'm saying. Like I'm like, oh yeah, I do believe in spirits, and but. And I believe that people can linger and their spirit can stay in a physical space, and but I just don't believe it. Like, I wouldn't believe I'm... Maybe I don't believe that, like, and I've even spoken to, like, ancestors out in, under the starry sky, you know? Um, are your great are your grandparents ancestors? I don't know if that's the definition. Well, one of them's on but his way. Relatives, <laughs> people who, <laughs> um, people who've passed, mm -hmm. spirits. Um, I've called on just spirits who I know are somehow quote up there in in a in a moment of um, who am I who am I talking to? Somebody. I believe that. But I don't believe that like somebody will knock a cup off the, the table and that's like that's how they would haunt me. I just I can't. So that. my definition and, and I'm not taking that away from you. I'm saying that maybe it's something about me. It's I'm interested by that, you know. So for me a belief is something you don't know that you accept as truth. You don't know that you accept as truth. And I call them belies. Because they're not anything you know. What uh, you've experienced like you belief know. Belief meets lies be lies yeah because okay. like if you know something you've experienced it like I can tell you cells have mitochondria I can tell you that there's blood running through your system some of these things you've seen and experienced so you know but you're only trusting that I know it when it comes to things like spiritual things or phenomena I only ask you to try and see not to believe me because if you believe me you're gonna miss it okay because if you believe something you'll have a great story to tell someone but you won't know it you won't have experienced it, so why talk about it? For me, belief is just one of those things that's like, I know that there are paranormal things. Whether or not they were ghosts, I don't know. Yeah. They were paranormal things, but I don't know that they were ghosts. They didn't talk to me. They didn't say anything other than my name and scream it weirdly. But, like, beyond that, yeah. like, I don't know that they're ghosts, so I don't believe that they're ghosts. I just know that they were paranormal. It was haunted by something. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but wow, I tell you all right, what. All right, man. That's interesting. It really is. All right, so that that house is not haunted anymore. It's not. Have you ever heard of these B and B Airbnbs or these uh, bed and breakfasts you can go to and stay in, like the haunted hostel of some place or this or that? Absolutely. I'm trying to make Farm Fresh like the haunted destination grocery store. <laughs> I mean, imagine if you're trying to get, like, pasta sauce and it just floats across the other side uh, and you're sitting there. Yeah, all right. You get enough people believing in something, things they'll just make the stories on their own. They do, and we want to do that. Like, our, our minds are kind of desperate for that. It, it's, it's a spooky place. It's down at the bottom of these, these two hills, and there were, there's, the energy around here is really weird from the merging of, like, the... the north and the south and the, there's a lot of dead people under our feet right now so dead people under our feet and like slaves that were brought here from other places and people fighting wars that they you know well in the words of seth if it wasn't a native american burial ground before the colonists came it certainly was afterwards 
Yeah. So, no, Richmond's Haunted is all ghetto. My friend Josie actually leads the Haunted, or led the Haunted Tours in Richmond. Oh, all right. So, no, she says she's seen all kinds of crazy things. But, like, the, here's the thing about these things, but though. I, I like how the city is kind of, and, and <coughs> to some degree, like, the people, the energy is kind of like, they're doing this cool thing that it doesn't... There are a couple statues of, like, Confederates, the fallen Confederate soldier, like, right over there. But there are a lot of things that, um, let's say this is a good place to hike, or this path is an awesome cycling path. And, by the way, we're, we're going to have this little placard up here, so you can kind of remember this time of, uh, like, like, it's almost like a celebration of what it's not anymore. Mm-hmm. Instead of this wallowing in how horrible the world is, it's kind of like, Look how I, that's the way it feels to me. It's like look how good we're doing because that's just a freaking like thing on a placard that we can remember, you know? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's it feels positive to me, but weird as all shit <laughs> with the Poe Museum down there. I guess yeah. I mean, I've grown up here my whole life, so to me, like this dichotomy of like modernization versus southern like okay. gusto is like. So the thing I've taken away from it is that like we can't get rid of these things because if we forget what we have done to the world, we will f- repeat it. In something so small in the way in which we live our daily lives, like if you look at like you know this was the paramount of slavery of Jim Crow laws. This is the place upon which all those things were. Yeah, founded. on the slave trail, they say that it was about I think it was twenty nine years. This was like right there on that little river was like the largest importer of enslaved people on earth like for 29 straight years maybe not on earth but in the in the u.s absolutely yeah and that doesn't go away that doesn't like but i think like so we've had a lot of movements in the past few years especially like taking down these like confederate generals and things like that and on one hand i heavily support it um but i also don't want to take away the context of what happens because this is our history whether we like it or not, it's the truth of what we experienced and lived in the past. Like, this is not our me, history. Man. So we can't take away from that. I was not in California. Yeah, Hello. All right, we're just doing our thing. Um, you can join if you want. <laughs> we can't take away from that. Because if we do, then we take away everything that those people went through. Everything that those slaves had to suffer through. Everything that those generals believed in, whether or not they were right, it was important to them at the time. Mm-hmm. They're gone now. Mm-hmm. But without that, we lose all semblance of ourselves and why we are the way we are today. Why our demographic is the way it is, especially in Shaka Bottom. Mm-hmm. Why we have, you know, the downtown on the high part of the city and we have Shaka Bottom in the low part. All of these things play together. And I think if we rip the history of it to make it seem better than it was we lose something we lose the struggles of people who had to live through it who still have to live through it to this day oh, yeah, so, yeah. That, yeah 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 sure but that's like that's what being from virginia is to me it's having mm. this weird dichotomy all the time of being northern enough to get things, but southern enough to have all this baggage that comes with it. <laughs> out as much. Yeah, as you're it. saying it. It's that's what I'm saying is that you feel a bit of baggage, but uh, I, I I really dig that, that that like you said, carrying that dichotomy forward in a in a good way. But but not just 
only negative and not just only positive, but together. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so, what about high school? Did you go to high school? So right around here, someplace? Uh, Mechanicsville, actually. Okay. Uh, I went to Lee Davis from freshman year to senior year. All right. Good experience. Well, I was the closeted gay kid throughout uh, high school, so that was something. I know I spent like the first three years of my high school year just drawing and not talking to anybody. Three years. Yeah. Man, high school can do that. It, it's so socially difficult for a lot, for a lot of us, man. Um, closeted gay kid. And, and so obviously nobody else, like nobody. Hey, me too. No, no. Um, so like there was a lot going on at that time. Um, like I said, my mom lost her job. Um, so she went through the first few years of my high school being unemployed. And so, like, we were, like, scrapping all the time. And so, mm -hmm. like, later on, like, when I finally got that agency, like, it's it, it, it's just always been, like, there's always been something going on. So, like, we're literally, like, from, like, fifth grade to, like, junior year, I had no emotions whatsoever. Like, none. And, like... You were, you were like... Emotionally devoid. Completely. What was the, um... Was that a mechanism in order to preserve you from something? Uh, just everything like that's the, going on. The sadness? Like, your mom must have been going through hell. I was her parent a lot of times. I've been advising my mom on things she should do since I was eight years old. Mm. Um, and so, like, when it comes to, like, I always had a very logical, like, I was really good at, like, giving advice, but, like, it never, like, rang home for me. I didn't talk about my feelings because there was so much going on that, like, I felt like I had to fall into the background. Yeah. And so, like, you know, the, like, and, like, my parents are, like, were fundamentalist Christians for so long that, like, I couldn't even bring up, like, any of the things that I was going through because I didn't even want to recognize it within myself. Mm. So when it came time to, like, begin being myself, it was completely and utterly new to me. So, like, I, like, I went through so long, like, having no internal world, no, like, but it's strange, though, because, like, I remember, like, closing my eyes and flying across the world and seeing all these crazy things. I was at my most like intuitive that I've ever been, but it had no substance because I couldn't feel it. I had no feelings whatsoever. I wasn't attracted to anybody. I didn't like anything. I didn't list like anything. I was just, eh. mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. So like, that was my life. Like I just didn't know how to be a person, like a fully functional human being. And then one day, once I like, let go. You gotta tell me what like the, um, I'm only taking a picture. You gotta tell me what, like if there was an influence um, a guy, like um, somebody who made it possible. Actually, this isn't even a physical person. If I have to owe it to anyone, um, was it like you read a certain story of the Bible or something? No, it was a YouTuber. Actually, like you know, as much as I love spirituality and have always been into that, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the biggest influences in my life have just been real functional people within my own timeline. Is, I don't actually know his last name. They call him Davey Wavy on YouTube, and he totally spoke to me. Like, he was like, I saw him do this video about coming out to your parents. He actually did a video to the parents for the kids who could not express themselves. And I saw, like, what he said and, like, all the things that he was like, you know what? It's really not that big of a deal. And even though I had all of these other emotional issues and all these things going on, that was my biggest linchpin. Because if you can grow up hating yourself every day, and you let go of that one thing, the whole world is open to you. You're not afraid of anything anymore because you can be yourself finally. 
And so, like, this person who just makes YouTube videos and influences a million people changed my life just by being themselves and showing me that that was okay. And so, that's really, like, what started me down the spiritual journey. It was, like, art, architecture, but also, like, real human experiences. Because spirituality is humans creating experiences together. God has no influence here. The only time you see God is through the influence of other people. And so, like, if we're going to talk about spirituality, like, it's what it has done for me in the confines of just really living my own personal life that has shown me that spirituality is important. It's the center by which we enact our will upon the world. I really like that, man. Um, that God is present only through the interactions between people. That there's something to that. Pretty cool. Pretty inspiring, pretty motivating. All right, so you see, you see that thing, and it unlocks like the chance to not. You said you didn't have any emotions, but then you said that that kind of told you that there was a little bit of hatred for, or a little bit of like, what was it? Not hate, not hate. You didn't like loathe yourself. Oh no, I did. Yeah. No, yeah, like, <laughs> do you know what a tulpa is? No. It's a Tibetan mysticism. Uh, it, it's been played up in a lot of other like things, but it's basically a psychic entity that is created by a meditative master to enact their will onto other planes of thought. Like, you know, people don't talk about shamanic journeys and, like, the astral plane and all these things. I had one, actually, and, like, I'm only talking about this now because it's relevant. Um, I poured all of my self-loathing, all of my emotions, all of my hatred towards myself and this everything that I lived into an alternate personality that lived alongside me. And that was where my emotional body was. I completely spliced myself with that because I could not deal with it. And so, when I say I had no emotions, the person that you're talking to right now lived and experienced a time where they had none, but there was an alternate writhing ball of emotions always there that I could not acknowledge. And so that's like what really taught me about the internal world. Like the other you that yeah. you couldn't be. Right, the thing that I was that I could not acknowledge lived and existed. Couldn't even touch it. Like, you knew it was there. Yeah. But if for you to, like, touch it would be, it'd be too much to deal It'd with. destroy me. Yeah. The, the me would, that where I Where would you go? Yeah, like, wow. Because everyone runs from themselves constantly. Mm -hmm. I just had a really elaborate way of doing it. Yeah, <laughs> in a way that you're defining so well, like, right now. Like, it's that's very visual. Like, it's you can get that in a pretty concrete way. All right. So, um, my little edge lord, middle school self, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about middle school and then high school. So you get out of high school. Is the fourth year any different than the, the first? Yes, grade? it was great. What? I came out of the closet midway through my senior year, and I like had the biggest rainbow poop I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> um, I completely changed my outlook on things. I had a boyfriend. Like I went to prom. I started engaging with people, and I really like learned that human connection is my biggest like focal point in my life. Like. Being around people, knowing their emotions, learning more about them, and trying to help them in any way I can is my striving point in this world. And for me, that was what unlocked it. Like, acknowledging that I suffered, and so therefore, everyone else's suffering is valid. Not because it's the same, not because it's greater or worse, but because they have been through something, and I can provide them something. 
was the focal point upon which I've chosen to live the rest of my life. I don't know what I'm doing with the rest of my life. And if anyone's listening, no one knows what they're doing. No one. <laughs> we just do things. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But for me, that focal point of trying to help others with their problems that they can't talk to anyone else about is, like, my thing. Yeah. I think we talked enough about me. Like, No, this is pretty much just me just trying to... You know, share somebody who has not yet been shared with the people who have not yet heard you. Um, I talk about me all the time. Uh, well, you're pretty interesting. Uh, You've not, got the cutest not, son, though. He's adorable. I uh, give him balloons. Oh, yeah, no, man. Oh, Jack is. He, oh, yeah, we'll go in and we'll. Just, is Hunter there today? No, he's not here today, boy. I'm probably there. Just not oh, yeah. present. Not at the beer counter. I don't work there anymore. I know, but he's still, I mean, these kids have uh, long memories, you know? Yeah. Um, So that is going to be getting us out of high school. And that's, that's a really cool story that the fourth year is, is starts to be like, I, this is who I am. I can be that guy who does have emotions, who does call his shots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man. I think there's people that are 40 and 50 and 60 that admit it. You have another you right next to you. We do, you know, and, uh, and getting in touch with that thing is, is what I'm trying to share. And I think what you weren't trying to share exactly that you were just trying to help people out. But sometimes I think it's like, it's, there's more to you, Mm -hmm. you know? And if you don't know how to bring that about, the striving for it is a damn good thing. So one of the cool things I wanted to talk to you about was uh, what brought you, how long after high school was it that you were like, I'm going to India? So that's like more complicated. All right, so let me look later on the Now it's more complicated. (laughs) I I thought everything just got simple because you're like, I can do whatever I want, man. Rainbow power. That wasn't... fine. Well, if I'm choosing rainbow power, I'm not going to India. I'm going to Los Angeles. Um, (laughs) So I guess, like, I went... So I went to college. Like, I didn't finish. Um, Okay. My first year of college, I met this fantastic woman. Her name is Paula Wynn. She's an art history professor. She's fantastic. She's kind of a bitch, but I love her. She's my favorite professor. And she starts showing us like all this art from around the world. We come to the point where we're talking, because we don't talk about Eastern stuff a lot, because art history is a very Western-oriented thing. But we get to like the Eastern world, we start talking about India, and we see these books. And I start reading things like the Bhagavad Gita, or the Dhammapada, or the um, Upanishads, or like... Uh, a path like what is it John he does a path with heart the John I think it's like John Corn or something but he's really good and then Tich Nhat Ha, which everyone like knows I start reading all these things I start doing the mantras and the meditations and then what made me decide that that was the thing that I should be doing is this is getting really personal I don't even tell my friends this story but we're gonna do it because we're doing raw so I'm doing these mantras these meditations I'm doing my japa I'm doing long meditations afterwards. One day, I had just done my finals. It's springtime, everything's free. 
I'm sitting in the student lounge, which if any of you have ever been to student lounge in a college, you know that it's loud, obnoxious, and everyone's everywhere making lots of noise. I'm sitting there, I'm listening to my um, chalisas, like my, um, you know, my bhajans, all these things that like are Hindu-centric worship songs, essentially. Okay. They're mantras that are played over music that are meant to... On your headphones? Certain. Yeah. All right. You can still hear all this stuff going on, and then I'm just sitting there, and I'm listening to... I, it was a Shama Sanjit, which is a collection of poems written by a Muslim poet about the goddess Kali in Hinduism. So I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to this one, and all of a sudden, I'm in blackness. I see nothing. And whenever I close my eyes, I see colors. I don't see, like, black colors. I see, like swirling dots i see like rainbow donuts like this has always been a thing even when it's a really dark room i'm looking at a blank wall i see all these dots and things flowing around it's a lot like when you have a tv screen that has nothing going through it and you see all these little things that are going across the top that's what i see all the time um it's called visual snow it's like a weird like pulmonary thing okay in your eyes but i'm sitting there and for the first time in my life i'm sitting in absolute blackness and i see this little dot that's growing growing, growing, getting closer and closer, and it's the earth, and I'm like, oh no, and I'm falling towards the U.S., and then I see Virginia, and then I see my college that I'm sitting in at the time, and I look down, and I'm sitting, looking at my body, right there, sitting in meditation with all this stuff going around me, and then it feels like I fall, like I have a jolt, and I'm sitting there, and I like completely perk up, and I have this sensation of falling, and I look around, and I'm back in my college, my college student lounge, looking around at these people playing Super Smash Bros and talking on their phones. And like, that's when I knew that I had stumbled upon something. That's what defined for me that I need to go to India and experience this. Well, I'm a poor college kid, so how do I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Short Pump Area, Himriko. Yeah. You know where I the, just know uh, that the retail stores that are there and that it's like the newest kind of... You know the Wegmans and all that stuff? Like, yeah. My family used to own that land. No. Yeah, so they sold it and I got money. Okay. <laughs> and so I used that to fund my trip for a three-week trip to India. Um, I went to Tamil Nadu because that's where Sadhguru was. And I was kind of into him then, but I didn't really know that much about it. So I went to the ashram, which, by the way, is like in the middle of nowhere. I mean, like not in the confines of India because like... There's people everywhere, but like you have to go down this dirt road. There's like a like a mile ride down to the ashram. Yeah, that's what I'm so interested in. I would love that, man. It's oh. in the middle of a forest. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and so awesome. you go there. There's like plants everywhere. You see people doing all kinds of things. Um, I mean, I've been to Yogaville. It's actually very similar in a lot of ways. It's a little less done up. It's more beautiful, but it's less structuralized. Yogaville is about two hours from where we are. Yeah. Uh, here in Virginia. The energy is completely different. Um, okay. But it's also similar in certain ways. Um, when you look at the context of when these center, where these centers were founded, it's tailored to the place in which they live. So when you look at a place like Tamil Nadu, it's got like thousands of years of history. It's allegedly where Brahma went to fight um, the demon king of Lanka. And I can't remember his name. Forgive me, I'm a bad Hindu. So there's like... There's m- history. The mythical things actually occurred in these places. Yeah. Okay. That's going to drive me crazy. Good job on like the, uh, the the vocabulary with this. Like you, you really got all the like a lot of these like the deities and. It's my passion. Yeah. It's what I do. Okay. But thank you. Yeah. Um, 
So, but I mean, it just it seems more than just like a three week trip. And you... oh, I studied it extensively before I went. Okay. Oh, you did. Yeah, like that. Like that whole period of my first year of college, I spent studying the architecture and art of Buddhist and Hindu architecture, from the like the Pala period back. Before you got into yoga. Yeah, it wasn't about like doing yoga. It wasn't about like doing these enlightenment practices. It was just for my sheer love of the deities and their stories. And the people that lived in the context of these times. Like, Did you see anybody wearing like, uh, like the colorful Indian clothes? Did that have anything to do with it? the music? I mean, because... The music's fantastic. Yeah, the, the whole vibe, the, 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 the colorful things like at an Indian ceremony of some kind. If an Indian per- person's like birthday... Or the wedding, good God. Good God, the weddings. Yeah, like, and so you see, like, this this explosion of celebratory, like, colors that you just you don't see a whole lot of places, you know? And if the architecture and the art brings the same type of, like, joy and celebration of, like, now, you yeah. know? That, I guess that would, that would draw me in, even if I didn't know anything about, you know, yoga either. Well, have you hung around a large Indian population before? Um, no, not, nothing like that. So think of Americans, right? Yeah. They're exactly the opposite. So Americans have this concept of personal space that's very important to them. Yeah. Like, you can't be but so close to me. Yeah. But we engage with each other on a very personal level, at least where I'm from in the South. Like, okay. we come like, you know, how are you today? I want to know about what you're going through. Indians are exactly the opposite. They will sit right next to you, but when it comes to engaging, socially, they it's not... That deep of stuff most of the time. It's like I have a, it's very transactional when I was engaging with them. Like and like it's different with people you know and like there's this interesting concept, like you've heard of hospitality law, right? Like where you like take care of somebody that comes to your house because it's expected of you. Like it's like a Greek thing, like a Roman thing, like with throughout okay. ancient history it's always it's still a thing in India. Sure. So my friend Smur- the reason I went to India actually is because my friend Smoochie Shah, when I worked at Starbucks she used to come in every day. She worked at the gas station across the street. She owned it. And she would come in. I was super sweet for you. She'd bring, like, gifts to me from India. And she's like, you should come with me. I know my cousin. And so she sets me up with her cousin. And I, like, he's in Tamil Nadu. So I go there for a week. And I go to the Isha Center. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, I'd seen the YouTube videos. I'd, like, been really into this person. But Sadhguru wasn't there. So I didn't care. Um, and then, like, she just, like, coordinated my trip for me. Because... Indian mothers are crazy. They're amazing. They take care of you. Um, So she's like, oh, let me show you my family up in Jodhpur. Like, so I get on the train, which was a nightmare. There's flies everywhere. It's like India is this crazy, beautiful, chaotic mess. And the smell will burn your nose hairs. Like, right out of your face. The moment you step (laughs) off the plane, it's like, you can feel them burning inside of you. Uh, So what is the city you landed in? I landed in, I actually landed in Delhi. Okay. Um... But I immediately, like, took a bus and then took a train down south of Tamil Nadu because I was meeting Shah's family down there. Um, her, like, nephew met me at the airport, and so we, like, went down. And he's telling me all this stuff. He's, like, telling me, oh, these are the good things to eat. This is what to avoid. What, what was the feeling like there, like, uh, when you landed, when you got on the train? I mean, like, was it a sensory, like... Overload? Like, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, because, I mean, just, like... Me, I'd never gone to Europe uh, two years ago, mm-hmm. and just the fact that we were approaching, that we'd flown over the ocean and I was coming in, I swear tears were in my eyes, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm 
it was just a, a rush that mm -hmm. I was actually doing this little thing and I hadn't even landed yet. So it looked really dry <laughs> from really high up. And then when we got closer, like the South India is like, there's a lot of moisture in the air, but like it's gone through a lot of desertification in the last few years. Okay. So like I'm used to Eastern woodlands, so everything's green all the time. And I get down here and it's, it's the good time to go. It's not the rainy season. It's not quite the dry season. I, you, right. The best time to go to India is so November. It looked like way less green than it would at another time of year. During the rainy season, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it also didn't look as brown, wet, and terrifying as it would have been. <laughs> okay. Um, we get a lot of rain. Spices are everywhere. People are asking you for things. Money, all kinds of crazy stuff. You're walking along. But, like, nobody's actually engaging with you. Like, the guy's asking for money, but the moment you don't respond, he's like, all right, next to the next one. Okay. And then you see the sadhus and all the crazy people doing stuff, like, you know, people lying on beds of nails, which is, I didn't see that much of. Um, people standing on their head, and also just people sitting in meditative, like, you know, covered in ashes, sitting in meditative poses and just waiting for whatever. The like crazy... in town? Just, like... They just sit everywhere, like all yeah. All over the place? The sadhus are all over the place, yeah. It's still a thing. Yeah. It's not like you're not going to see them every alleyway that you go, but like, it's as common as you like just seeing. I don't want to say it like. Like somebody waiting for the bus. Waiting or, for the bus, or just yeah. you know panhandling in general. Like you just see them; they're there, okay. doing their like holy things. There's even like little like, kids. What are you doing? It's the middle of the day. What are you doing? <laughs> like somebody with zero urgency, just walking around. Yeah. Yeah, or just sitting there, and okay. I mean. Which I, which I like. I value. I think we, our culture would benefit more if we are like, people should... I actually, I literally told somebody who works in my office today, I want you to work for an hour and a half, and then I want you to take 10 minutes and walk around and meditate. She didn't do it, but that's the kind of culture that I want to have at my office. Hmm? Obviously, I should work for you. That's what you say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's where companies are going. Um, and... I'd like to bring that about more is, I mean, like out on the West Coast, they've been knowing that for years, right? I mean, Google has places where you can finger paint if you're, you know, if you're stressed out or something. Yep. And we're almost getting ready to do the uh, the good bit. This is... Uh, is it going okay? Yeah, this is actually going better than what I had planned. So we'll talk a little bit more. Or maybe we should just do another, like, episode. Okay. Some I'm other time. That. Yeah. I hope that this is like content enough to be interesting because we haven't talked about any things that you really. Well, <laughs> yeah, because it's a little give and take. Because if I'm like obviously, if I'm trying to listen to your story mm -hmm. and keep you in that moment where you're actually telling me about the when everything went black and then what it looked like when there's a small dot that the water drop turned into and then it was the earth and then yeah, you're there mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna bring you out of it by being like. Yeah, <laughs> so there's like a like a that's that's the thing I'm trying to get good at as a journalist. Okay, so we were talking about India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for the last, anyway, I always want to go there, and it's gonna be it's awesome when I do. I'd like to. Um, I just I'd like to actually be immersed like you like you were in just the study of yoga for two or three weeks just mm -hmm. that I mean it's it's that big to me that that helpful that the only reason I stopped doing it is because I have so much crap to do so if you removed yourself from 
your job for a while on sabbatical or your you know mm -hmm. the, this responsibility and that responsibility and you could just be immersed you know I think that would carry through get you to a place that you don't get to otherwise so I know we haven't talked about this person yet but one of the things Sadhguru always says is the moment you want something but say but first let me do this you've already lost it because the moment you decide that you want something you should do everything that you if it's something true and strong, yeah, you do everything within your power to do it. But the moment you say, "Well, I have to do this, this, and this in order to do it," ah, uh, okay, you're distancing yourself from your goal. Not saying that those things aren't necessary or fun, like fundamental to that goal, but like, for example, let's say you want to go to India mm -hmm. or do this kind of spiritual practice. You should just do the fundamentals that you know right now, then worry about the things that you need to do in order to do it on a grander scale. Because right now you have what you have to work with. Mm -hmm. You have resources available to you that are fundamental to your path. And maybe you need to do these smaller things in order to achieve those great things. Yeah. Anything that you do as a sadhana, it's better to do it as an action than to not do it at all in favor of doing what you need to prepare for it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, that's one of those things that really rung true with me, which is why like I suddenly went to India. Like I had like my, all kinds of stuff. I actually went insane at my work at Starbucks. And then just one day I was like, you know what? I like this India thing for a while. I'm like, if yeah. I don't go, okay. I'm never going to go. Okay. And so I got this inheritance, and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to blow it all anyway, because I'm 20, like I'm 19, no, I'm 21 at this point, I'm going to blow money no matter what. So I might as well do it on a spiritually fundamental experience. Nice, that's very with it. You know, like, I'm about to do something foolish with money anyway. Let me do something that's going to be enriching. Yeah. All but right. I was only in, like, Tamanado for a week. So, and I only spent half of that week, like, going to Isha Center. Um, Isha, I-S-H-A. Yeah. And that was founded by, so I started reading um, the, the Inner Engineering, Inner Engineering by Sadhguru, which is, his name is actually uh, Jaggi Vasudev Sadhguru. It's uh, Sadhguru Jaggi Vasudev. Okay. But now it's simply just Sadhguru. It's like, easy, the book yeah. says it's Sadhguru. Yeah. S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U. G-U-R-U, yeah. Yeah. Um, this book is amazing. I really just, I became, it's so enlightening, and it's so, man, the dude is a genius. And, uh, and uh, I became so obsessed over, like, the last two weeks with reading this book. And I was like, who is this guy? Is he, like, really just a spirit among us? And uh, Hunter... Um, knew knew all about him, and actually, not when he was in India saw Sadhguru in person, but in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> which is the worst trip I've ever taken. I don't know if any of you are from Florida, but I gotta say, y'all are the worst drivers in the world. No matter what speed limit it is in Florida, they're going ninety. Oh yeah, it's like driving in India, which I did not do, and I will never do. It's terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard the driving there is just. It's like a school of fish as opposed to like this organized thing that we have here. Yeah. As long as you get into that like biological mindset, you're fine. I just, I won't do it. I just close my eyes. Every time we had to go somewhere in taxi cab, I just close my eyes the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, in Los Angeles, I, for a while I was renting apartments at uh, USC. They have like 8,000 kids from India coming in to take like uh, engineering classes every year or every semester. And, um. So I would kind of drive these kids around L.A. Uh, in their 
they just arrived from India and they're like, I, I can't believe the way everyone drives here. We would never wait at this light. <laughs> <laughs> You're waiting at this light. Uh, so I remember them saying it. Was just, I was like, what, what would they do? They just would, go. You would just go. You just go. You <laughs> do whatever you want. You go want. there, you go there. If you can go, you just go. <laughs> yeah. This is why I don't drive. <laughs> oh. oh, man. So we'll get into Sadhguru another time, man. I think that was a good conversation because I was going to ask you all this. Um, like, what's the deal with that guy? Um, I don't know. But I, I, <laughs> I admire him so much that on Sunday I was just like, all right, I got to see, like, what, what more to this guy? Like, all right, he was born then. I was like, does he have a kid? Yeah, he does. He has a daughter. Because he kind of seemed just like too high minded a vibration for like children or maybe he's like maybe like the whole world is my children and that, well that is one of his things yeah that was one of the meditations we actually did when I was in Florida okay but like I guess we gotta get into another time but I will say um, he wasn't like he got into it relatively late I mean he was trained young by a yogi like in terms of like asanas and like physical postures yeah but like it wasn't until his like he talks about that a little bit in that book his moment of enlightenment happened much later. And he was just a rebellion. After he already had a business and everything. Yeah, he had a farm. He had a business, he had a motorcycle, he had a wife. Um, I don't know if his daughter came before or after that, but they were married before mm. that. Um, but there's a lot of complexity to this person that I personally don't think I'll ever know. And I guess to like the later, do I believe everything Sadhguru? believes in and the answer is no okay I believe in the things that he's taught me and how it's relevant to my life and I apply these lessons forward because that's yeah. what I think a guru should do mm -hmm. they shouldn't make you into another cheap version of themselves they should make you into the best version of yourself if you have goals if you have things that don't line up with what he's saying or what he's doing approach it by the methods that he's saying but be feel free to he's giving you a tool and it's up to you to use it the way that you want it to so mm -hmm. if we're going to get into another time, it's the one thing that's important to know is that you don't have to believe everything a guru is telling you in order to be a good disciple. Yeah. Only to take their lessons into yourself and apply it to your everyday life so that that way you're changing what they're saying in a way that makes sense to you because you okay. don't live in the context that they live in. Mm -hmm. You live in your context, yeah. in your country with your people. And so... If you're going to do anything, do it the best way you can, not in the best way that somebody else is telling you to do it. That's good to hear. I'm also 23. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know, Hunter? Okay. Wait until you're 40. Yeah, then I'll um, have it all figured out. No, um, <laughs> no, the thing about uh, is, well, so there's this big vibrating through line about all awakening and and um, activating oneself and becoming who you are and who you're suppo not supposed to that's, that's funny, it's supposed to be who you are becoming that, living that, living now being alive and, and it's like this universal law of connectedness with the source energy or God, they don't really the people who are awake, they don't tell you how to spell God. They're just, you're connected. Just mm. 
some the, one of my favorite ones is God is now. Now. So what connects you mo most with now? And Sadhguru seems to, because that, I hear that from a, another, a book by this woman, Jen Sincero, that I'm reading right now. Um, Tony Robbins, uh, the, the list goes on and on. The, mm. the people that are saying the same thing, the secret type of uh, message. Love the secret. Right? Like all these messages of, um, you were saying one earlier, that uh, of just to be you or to be yourself. Were you? Yeah, I'm probably. It's um, organic. But Sadhguru seemed to be like just saying all of those things in the most simplistic terms like very clearly very yeah. clearly and some of the main tenets are self accountability um, all of the four agreements the thing with Sadhguru don't you roll your eyes at me you damn 23 year old <laughs> <laughs> the thing with him is though is that like he, sh he spits on all these things too and like he's he saying it he laughs about it, but he's also like constantly saying how like these. He's not trying to create a religion with it. He's not trying to no. create a dogma. He's like he's, these are just things that you do. Yeah. Whereas his criticism with like other like, and I don't want to call him philosophers because he hates philosophers, so I'm not gonna call him that. Uh, Peace. Yeah, I didn't even know. I, I haven't gotten to any point where he was um, criticizing another philosophy yet. Well, he doesn't like philosophy. Because it makes sense. Because for him, philosophy is almost like a, uh, an academic argument. That's what he it's, says. It's yeah. like that's just something to spend your time thinking about. Almost like a video game, but your thing is academia and piecing different theories together that are fun to poke around with for a while. Yeah. Like stoicism. You know? Like, uh, I don't know. Catholicism or, you know, like... Anything that you can, like, apply on a mass scale doesn't usually work for individuals. And I think that's what he's trying to get at. Ah, I like it. Yeah. And and then he's like, the world is going to be better when people are individually alive. And he's like, I'm going to show you how to unlock it and basically reason with you mm -hmm. on why you're not unlocked right now and why you're suffering. And... And just his slow way of like, kind of pretty funny. He's an asshole. He's pretty yeah. funny. He's, he's, he's an, an asshole. He is an asshole. <laughs> I've looked. I've, I've been absolutely. I was just in. I don't. I don't get like completely obsessed with people. Well, I guess I do. I get obsessed with people quite a bit. Oh, dude, what else is freaking Denzel Washington? I gotta watch every movie. I'm obsessed with this guy. You know who is this? I gotta figure out everything about this person. Um, and Sadhguru was is definitely up there. I'm like, I want to see this dude. He's a short little man. He's, yeah. he's cute. Like but he's he, real cute to look at from far away. Cause <laughs> he's sitting on this big chair, and I, like when you look at him on like he doesn't the, always dress in like when he's at a speaking event. He doesn't. He wears the big stuff, and he looks like this big, like you said, the aesthetic. But there's pictures on his Instagram when he's like playing freaking golf. Oh, he does everything. Yeah. He lives his life. Yeah. And that's, he's like... He rides around on dirt bikes. They actually did a thing with Gordon Ramsay. I don't know if you've seen it. Gordon Ramsay went to his ashram. Ashram. Okay. And, like, ate his food with him and everything. Nice. <laughs> um, and Gordon Ramsay's, like, complaining about how there's no meat in anything. Oh, and yeah. And how he's, he's not supposed to try anything. Meat. Yeah, and... 
But by the end of it, he's like, you know, I, I mean, if you're going to go vegetarian, go to India. It's obviously the place to be if you're going to do it. Um, do you know Indian cooking? Do you do that? I all? do it all the time. Yeah? Yeah. Vegetarian? It, both. I, yeah. I, the only thing I don't eat is beef. Okay. Um, but that's because of my fitness goals, not because of, like, if I could get, I, I don't like meat. Like, mm. I really don't. I don't enjoy it. And there are yeah. ways around it. But the things that I have to put into my system, like, you know, supplements, protein shakes, all like all this stuff, I just, I don't like doing. I like food. And so, you know, like, I'll make, like, butter chicken or I'll make, like, you know, fish korma or, like, kashmir, vegetable kashmiri and all mm. these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys just got a bunch at the store, this big section of uh, little, those little warming packets. Fuck those, man. Man, those are my figs. They're good, but if you make it yourself, it's ten times better. Oh, I'm better. sure. Of course. It's yeah. amazing. You haven't had... What I'm talking about is those little packets you pour into a bowl, or you, you throw the whole packet itself into boiling water, and then all of a sudden you've got, like, uh, you know, masala vegetables or something. The real reason I'm jaded is because I don't have a microwave. So... <laughs> I won't... I won't throw any shade at you about that. Yeah, somebody gave me a microwave a couple months ago. My roommates just refuse to acknowledge that microwaves exist, so I just don't get one. <laughs> All right, so that was a little touching on we got to share. I got to share my like recent obsession with the reading or learning more about the the guy who wrote the book I'm, I'm reading, Sadhguru, uh, and you seeing him, man. Um, and that was like I was like I can't believe you've actually met this guy oh, met's a strong word I saw him saw him saw him, saw him. we shared an experience it just sure. happened to be with a thousand people uh, yeah yeah um, I mean I've heard people talk the same thing about uh, the back, like meeting with Backstreet Boys you know oh my gosh they're so I, just, I can't believe they walked out there and I literally started crying so some of it is build up and, and the group experience of oh this moment is actually happening the build-up has something to do with it. It does, but I was like just... if the lead singer of the Backstreet Boys just came and sat next to me on a bench, and, and I didn't know who he was, I wouldn't find him to be like this. And, and that wasn't me talking about the Backstreet Boys, yeah. by the way. It was, it was actually my little sister. I mean, if, if you love the Backstreet Boys, it's okay. I forget. <laughs> it, so who would be a, a maybe like a moment like for no, me? No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like you've idolized like this you're, person you're so long. Swooped up in the moment, and in theater. I've, I've, there are exercises that you do that you, you see spirit come out of the people who you're in theater with and who you're practicing this thing with and all of a sudden you see something and it's like that you just did this thing that absolutely stirred me to the core and sometimes it's just the getting there and now you're there and now you're ready and there, there's that dude and you're like and then he can just captivate you well you know I'll actually talk about my experience with Sadhguru meeting him next time because you might be surprised and how little the build-up actually led into it really yeah and i won't spoil it because it's actually quite interesting all right cool all right that will be on part two interview with hunter thank you for listening everybody and um anything else that you would like to say to the people just thank you for listening and i appreciate your time and i hope to see you soon yeah thanks for sharing your story god bless All right, point is, uh, what did you think about hanging out with Hunter? Pretty cool, right? And it shows that everybody's story is unique, and uh, what an interesting kid. You can tell he 
he likes to enjoy life. He's passionate about some things, and he's toughened up. Um, he, he had to get tough from a couple of things he was talking about, and uh, that's how uh, a 23-year-old native-born Virginian can become a Hindu who's passionate about uh, healing and dabbling and all sorts of things on the awakened and conscious levels. And it was pretty cool to get uh, a lesson in, in the Ohm from Hunter. And we'll maybe talk more about um, some of the other things. If I have him back, I'd like to have, I've said I want to have people back for more episodes uh, before, but it'd be cool to have Hunter back, see what he has uh, else to say about the uh, the mindfulness revolution. But it's cool to see what effect that can have, the mindfulness revolution that is, uh, people in your daily life. I mean, this this guy, he, he's a healer and he uh, continues to study culture, Hindu culture, yoga, the yoga way, spiritual awakening. But, you know, this, this guy is a kid who's worked his way up as a manager at a grocery store, right, right in my neighborhood. So remember that. And you get to see it in practice about somebody who is in a position where they're they're doing the things that a grocery store manager has to do, but he's doing it from a point of view of uh, somebody who's compassionate and in touch with the spiritual side of things. I mean, I've literally seen him have to throw people out who who were trying to shoplift uh, malt liquor and, and panhandle out on the front of the store. And, and he's had to deal with that. So, you know, God uh, bless us all for having people more people every day in the world like that that can help us make sense of some of the uh, the contradictions that abound in a society like ours and address them, face them with an enlightened point of view that, that sees both sides of something and uh, tries, to, tries to handle things with a, with a little bit of humanity, which I would like to invite you to think humanity at its best is the same as divinity. Humanity, humivity, hum, <laughs> there's some hybrid there. All right, but that was the conversation with uh, my friend Hunter. I hope you enjoyed it, and thank you once again for listening to the Joyful Podcast, Raw Journal of the Mindful Revolution. <laughs>